keep tugging at our heels Watch this high step and be a highlight reel Of how high we get The ghost riders off the ramp How we live defies death Put a conscious in the genre box Stamp a certified fresh Bad boys beyond G-Deps You couldn't fathom what we plan to do next Turn the music on his head Power bomb suplex Welcome and thank you for listening to the Free Range Basketball Podcast A podcast where I, Kyle McEwen, bring on guests And we find common ground in our love of basketball Before having more conversations about politics and religion if you like what you hear, please consider rating, reviewing, and sharing the podcast wherever you listen to or watch it. And if you'd like to be an official producer of the show, you can send in support through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App at Kyle McEwen 16 You can also subscribe on Patreon at Free Range Basketball. For anyone that rates, reviews, and contributes, or, or contributes as a producer of the show, I'll be sure to give you a mention on the show and... I'll also come help do yard work this weekend. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me retweeting an insane number of NBA and political topics at NBA. All right. Now that the uh, yard work is done in regards to the podcast, let's get our sh- our guest for the day on here. CJ Buckets or CJ Three Buckets on Twitter. CJ, thanks for joining the show, brother. Thanks for having me, man. You're very welcome. Um, this is awesome. You're one of my one of my first guests, episode four. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else that you think people should know about you, about your background, before we start jumping into our conversations about the NBA politics and religion? Uh, yeah, maybe just really quick. Um, I'm Canadian. I'm in my mid twenties. Uh, I'm from a small city, few few hours outside of Toronto, and um, I discovered you through. Uh, like your fantasy basketball podcasts. Um, I think that was maybe a few years ago now that I was listening to that. Um, and I followed you on like Twitter ever since. Um, and admittedly, uh, I kind of have like an unofficial bucket list going and being on a podcast is one of the things on that bucket list. And I mean, I'm just grateful that like, uh, I guess I'm satisfying that by being on this podcast, talking about these three topics and, um, I guess you said this is episode four. I've listened to the first three episodes and I'm, I'm very impressed with like the quality of guests. Like, um, so I just hope that I can be another suitable guest in the wake of like Vino, Chris and, uh, Rick Rosen. Thanks man. Uh, well, you've got a, a great setup. I know nobody can see the video for these cause we're just doing the, uh, the audio podcast, but you're, you're obviously an NBA fan with a Jordan Jersey in the background, a Kobe Jersey in the background. Who's the, uh, who's the one I can't this, see. The this is like Kobe's high school Jersey. If I can turn oh, it a dude. little bit. Yeah. That's dope. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, CJ buckets is definitely an NBA fan here, which is, which is important because that's our common ground for, for having these conversations to say, like, let's talk about something that we all love. And then we can get into some of the more contentious stuff. Um, and I appreciate you saying that the first couple episodes went, went well, because I felt lucky as heck that just throwing a, a, blanket hey can somebody please come on my podcast that i'm starting up i want to talk about these three topics um would you be able to turn down my audio a little bit on your side i'm hearing myself come through okay yeah sorry about that um no worries it's just uh i appreciate you being able to fix that because we talked before the podcast and you said you knew what you were doing plus you've got a great mic setup uh to anybody since everybody can't see what we're doing anyways um yeah, man, it's just it's it's gotten off to a uh, you know a pretty good little start, and um, it's been fun conversations. And more more important than anything, I think the guests have just like they've carried the shows for me. You know, like they they've come on. We haven't known each other beforehand. We we get into our conversations, and it's I think it's led to some really interesting interesting topics or interesting um, anecdotes in regards to all of our experiences. 
Um, but anyways, I want to talk basketball with you. Who do you root for any specific team? And uh, if so, like why? Uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned I got like the Lakers jerseys pinned up behind me. Um, so I'm definitely a Lakers fan. And that might sound a little, I, I guess, random um, because I did mention like I live near Toronto. Um, but I mean, growing up here, uh, basketball, I don't think was very it, it wasn't very big. Um, it like, uh, growing up here, it wasn't on TV that often. And I think my Lakers fandom started actually with, um, NBA 01, uh, the video game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I remember like, you know, when you load up a video game, um, like a sports game, and then it just gives you the two highest rated teams, like uh, on the play now menu, like, um, during that time in 01, it was the Lakers and the Trailblazers. So I always like played as the Lakers and I viewed them as the good guys, the superheroes. And then the Trailblazers were like the the bad, evil, like enemy. And uh, I, I just remember like every time I loaded up that game, I always played as the Lakers. I, I love the colors, the purple and yellow. And um, as I grew up, I just like huge Kobe fan. So definitely sad that he um is no longer with us but um so even though you're from canada born and yeah. raised right yeah. yeah um you you gravitated towards the lakers and a lot of that has to do with kind of falling in love with them in the video game uh realm yeah but um it is kind of funny though that you're like i like their purple and, and gold but then i you know just because the raptors being a canadian team and also being purple like mm -hmm. i don't know you you'd think maybe you would have gravitated that way but uh it's yeah. understandable, man. They were like, they were the big team then. Like, so I was born in 95. I think the Raptors came in the league in 95. And I, I will like admit that even even the early Lakers three Pete um with like uh Shaq and Kobe, like even though I was playing the video games back then and I probably saw them on TV from time to time, it wasn't like I didn't follow like them that young. Like I wasn't six years old like thinking like oh kobe just won his second championship like right. i didn't internalize that well enough so i guess my like i was still a fan that whole time um but uh like them winning back to back in 09 and 2010 that's when i really like um uh i guess became like a huge nba fan and started watching like the whole championship run and all that do, do you have any uh like players that you looking back at that those teams the, especially the the 0809 uh period of the, that that back to back set with Paul Gasol and mm -hmm. Lamar Odom, Andrew Bynum like are there any guys who you just were absolutely in love with or is it like the whole roster you just everybody has a little bit of your heart um i th i would say uh everybody like um what you said at the end there has a little bit of my heart but um more specifically like Pau Gasol, his his play with Kobe, I think is they're a very underrated duo in my opinion. Um, I I think like his skill set is was just incredible back then. Not only was he like uh, individually dominant, but his passing, his vision, um, and the triangle offense in general. Maybe it's a little dated nowadays, um, but yeah, Pau Gasol and L Lamar Odom. I mean his kind of fall from grace has been uh a little like hurtful i guess but um as a player and during those uh championship r runs he was just so integral like to the lakers success um 
And yeah, I mean, it's the whole team, but it's definitely, I think those three and Derek Fisher, classic, like um, ultimate gamer to me. Um, having those guys, like in rooting for those guys, um, I kind of miss those days. Do you, uh, do you hate any teams? Um, well, I guess I'd like to, to open as up the a Lakers end. fan. <laughs> yeah. To open up the discussion, uh, like again, like those Oh nine and, and the, the 2010, like them winning the championship there. I kind of like really became a Lakers fan, but then following that I became more of an NBA fan. And in 2012, I started playing fantasy for the first time and I played it ever since 2012. So I guess eight years straight, um, I became more a fan of the league. So I remember back then like hating the Celtics, like Rondo Pierce, KG Ray Allen. But I mean, not too long after I just, I, I started respecting them. I actually like the Celtics as an organization. Like I know that might sound weird coming from a Lakers fan. Um, but in general, like I, I am a fan of like the Lakers, but I, I think I'm a bigger fan of the NBA at this point. Um, fantasy will do that to you too yeah. because you just you really start focusing on all the players and their talents and their their progression or like how they level up from year to year mm-hmm. and uh and yeah it's you, you end up walking away and it's be like no i just i want to follow the players who i'm interested to see like are they taking steps forward are they i mean i find myself if i'm putting a game on these days it's usually who do I want to know more about? Who do I think is working on things that I want to see if they're actually getting better at those things? Or I'm like, a lot of times it'll also be me double checking stuff. Like, hold on, there's this, there's this statistical seemingly anomaly going on. Like, is, is it going to keep up? Is it reasonable to expect this to continue? And uh, that that's what'll kind of drive me deciding which games I'm going to watch from night to night. Um, Cause I used, I grew up a Detroit Pistons fan, but like they're one of the last teams I put on right now, just because on a night to night basis, they're not as fun to watch as a, most of the other teams in the league. Um, real quick on that. I had Blake Griffin, I think in like his first Detroit Pistons season on my fantasy team. And he was like putting up incredible numbers as a fantasy player. It sucks. Cause I feel like he's getting a little bit older and injuries um, have like kind of, um lessened his value um but uh i mean that was fun like and i think fantasy kind of does that where like you could have like a garbage team or like a not so good team but a good player on that team so it's kind of just like oh i'll just watch the game just for this guy to see what he can do um for me but i mean do you have an nba team that you kind of hate or dislike watching or organizational like um hatred I think you, uh, you know, it's anybody who d- isn't a Lakers fan probably looks at them as kind of like the New York Yankees of the, of oh, basketball, oh, they definitely you know? are. They definitely it's the are. evil empire. It's yeah. why do those guys always win? So some of it's jealousy, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. but there's also this sense of, I think another thing that a lot of people will talk about is that whole East coastal bias, or, you know, it's like the Midwest gets left out of the discussion in, um, in, in regards to sports and stuff like that on ESPN and some of these national platforms. And, and that's true. And it does get frustrating because you're like, um, Nikola Jokic has been great for three years. Jamal Murray's been climbing and should have had, uh, other, uh, highlights put up on ESPN a long time ago for some of the crazy shots that he takes that everybody saw in the playoffs this year. And it's just like, y'all need to 
either i mean it's it's tough because they have a limited amount of time on network television to get through the points that they want to get to and if you're playing to your your viewers you know everybody knows who lebron james is so i think that's another the one of the more annoying things to add to the list of things that i don't like about the lakers or that leads me to disliking them is just like all all the good players want to go there too which is from an I'll, I understand that from a perspective of life. Like if you wanted to live in the most beautiful place or a place that gives you more opportunity to do, to do business and to, you know, if you're at the top of your game, you want to meet other people at the top of your game. And like people congregate out in either Los Angeles or New York. So like, but it's just funny like that. <laughs> I, I guess it's maybe it's weather. But a lot of people will choose going to Los Angeles over going to New York for that um, uh, rising up of their fame outside of basketball. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I I definitely see that. I think it's kind of a, a perk of being a Lakers fan just to know that you can turn on ESPN and then every talk show for the majority of the talk show will probably be talking about your team. That's definitely a perk of being um, a fan, but I, I will say that like, I would like to see more, um, I guess, discussion uh, involving like every team and fair coverage of those teams. Um, I guess I can answer your previous question about if I do have one team, I probably dislike the most. It is uh, actually the 76ers. And that's really? actually due to, um, so Last year's Raptors championship run, um, I, I actually was at the Kawhi game, like the shot um, game wow. seven. So I like I, I'd i like to say, like, I'm a I'm a Lakers fan first, but like I do have a like a special place in my heart for the Raptors. Like most of my fans are Raptors fans. Um, I've been to Toronto like countless number of times. I've seen like a bunch of Raptors games. And um, I mean, like. I do obviously want them to succeed. If there's any team I would want instead of the, of the Lakers to win, it would be the Raptors. And I feel like that kind of like run that they had versus the Sixers um, kind of makes me uh, dislike them a little bit. I think like Embiid and Simmons, I think they're a little bit like prima donnas. I think they kind of, everybody touted them as like being, a contender for so long yet to me, they've never actually um, embodied that. And Jimmy Butler got them close. And I think it was mainly due to Jimmy Butler, but uh, Jimmy Butler got them close. And maybe if Kawhi doesn't hit that shot, maybe it's a whole different story, but I mean um, them going forward. I don't know. I don't know if doc rivers really like elevates them to that level. Um, it's, it is pretty amazing that like, cause that was game seven. Buzzer, buzzer ending, right? That Kawhi shot. That was game seven, right? Yeah, that was game seven. Um, if I could like, but you you mentioned the narratives changing. Like, if they had won that series, if Kawhi didn't mm -hmm. make that shot, it's it just it changes the whole narratives around Kawhi right now. It changed. I mean, obviously the Raptors didn't wouldn't be looked at in the same light that they continue to be looked at. Um. And it's funny because like in a significant way, you know, everybody looks at Nick Nor Nick Nurse right now and they're like, this guy's not to say that they wouldn't appreciate his coaching, but they just it wouldn't 
it's amazing how much that one shot really propelled things or changed things in regards to the fact that the Sixers didn't bring back Jimmy Butler and that now they're in such turmoil after this year of, of failing after after letting him go, essentially. Yeah, um, I heard recently uh, Brian Windhorse, if you know him, like he he recently had something to say about winning a championship. And his like comment was, if you win a championship, that means you never have to apologize for anything. And I, what I took from that is like, uh, like Nick Nurse, he is a championship level coach. He proved it. But I also would say, and the Raptors, they are like, they're a championship organization. They proved it. But at the same time, I would say that um, a bounce here or there, uh, a play, an ankle not getting injured um, could have maybe been the difference in all of that. And it's just crazy to think like, that's how close it, it was. Um, and doesn't part of that too, like make you reflect a little bit, just uh, objectively on the Sixers and say, they, well, they probably, they obviously messed up by not keeping Jimmy Butler um, or, you know, trying as hard as they could to get, convince him to stay. Uh, but it seems like the all the narratives around that situation about Jimmy Butler going to Miami, uh, the sign and trade happening so that uh, Josh Richardson will come back to to the uh, to the Sixers. Like, it, it sounds like the Sixers were I mean, if you go back, there was contention or people butting heads, essentially. Uh, ben Simmons, like you mentioned, p- kind of being a prima donna, like the ball's not in my hands enough now, where uh, it makes me look at the Sixers and say they really were a championship contender at that time. But you're right. It was with Jimmy Butler. Like that is he was the main reason why they had went from just being a, a good team with high uh high potential to a team that was actually competing for the championship. And in the moment, I think it got glossed over because, you know, we remember who wins. Yeah. uh, I I mean, like I just kind of offered the 76ers out there. Not that I I don't dislike them. I don't actually hate them. I would say stack ranking the NBA teams. They're probably lower on my list, but um, I mean, I kind of want the best for every NBA team. I don't want there to be dumpster fire uh, franchises. Yeah. I think growing up, like e- even in the early 2000s, the the NBA to me has gotten so much better since like I at least I started watching them. Like uh, like even in the last 10 years, I think there's been a lot of parody in the league. Um, the way people play, I think the Warriors and Stephen Curry in like th- their little run has kind of... Um, opened up the league to be like, Oh, we can play like this style of basketball. Cause I mean, what did we used to always hear? Like we used to always hear a jump shooting team cannot yeah. win a championship. And now it's the complete opposite. It's like, if you can't hit shots, you can't win a championship. So now it's like the whole league has shifted. And in terms of like, I guess, um, rooting for or against a specific team i think everybody almost like operates under their own umbrella of whatever team they like and then they kind of like project that amongst other teams so like if you're like a diehard like lakers fan you probably look at some other teams like very skeptically like like the clippers for example um you probably think of them as like uh not at the same level um, I try to be a little bit more object- objective. I mean, there are personal biases that would creep in there. Um, but yeah, I try, I try not to be too 
uh, I guess, Laker heavy in my analysis of teams or like whether I like them or not. Because again, I am just more of a fan of the league. Well, um, you talk about how, you know, when you, when you're, you mentioned the idea that you you do hope for even though you may not root for certain teams because you're maybe it's because you're a fantasy guy and you you obsess over each individual player or you you know f- try to find a way to appreciate different players to understand how they contribute in fantasy it, it does make it easier to root for the league as a whole and then to evaluate each team with more objectivity and um that's like looking at a team like the Timberwolves right now as I'm getting getting so we just found out, and this is something I wanted to talk to you about. We just found out that the season's going to start probably December 22nd or on, or on Christmas this year. So we've got less than two months now until the NBA, next NBA season starts, which is super exciting. But as I dig in and I start looking at um, working on projections and stuff for Basketball Monster and uh, and looking at the teams and how they're set up and what's going to maybe happen with the draft, what's going to happen with free agency, the Timberwolves were one of the teams that stood out to me as a very frustrating team for this season because I still don't know what they're going to be. Yeah, they brought in D'Angelo Russell last year, but Carl Towns was hurt for like the the end of the season. You didn't get to see those two guys play together. You, We don't really know who they're going to lean on around their core. Do they believe in Jarrett Culver to be a part of their starting lineup or a, a big part of their rotation even this year? I don't know. Um, they he's he's got his shooting issues both from the field and from the line that it's uh that's one of those teams where even as like I, to uh to to put it into a, a better context looking at what happened with the Warriors last year and the fact that during a a season where Clay Thompson was probably going to be out the whole year, Steph Curry got injured early and then they just decided to rest their players all season. I'm worried that in another kind of truncated season, because it's only supposed to be 72 games this year. If we end up seeing some teams kind of commit to the, to the um, what's it called? Uh, essentially throwing, you know, throwing away games the way that golden state did last year. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of starting to think like, okay, what team is going to have an injury early and then they're just going to throw away the season. And, that was obnoxious to watch from a from a fan point of view, regardless of whether or not you were a Golden Store or Golden State Warriors fan or not, because they just didn't feel like they were competitive last year at all, or that they were trying to be competitive. And it's cool that they have a second the second overall pick in the NBA draft right now, because you're going to add a really good player to a a really good team potentially. But like, I don't want to see teams mailing in a whole season. And I don't know how the NBA allows that to happen, allows healthy players to sit out. I don't know. It frustrates me as a fan. Well, I think in terms of like them coming back this early, like in less than two months, it would seem, um, I think what it is, my insight into it, it's all to protect the next season. So the 2021, 22 season where like, if we, get back quick and get this season out of the way, like the 2020, 21 season, if we get that one out of the way and, you know, it'll be messed up again, COVID still kind of a thing, right? We don't know if fans are going to be back or not. It's not going to be another bubble scenario, but it's going to be modified. There'll be less games. If, if this season is messed up, they've like, it's almost like a punt strategy. Like they just decided, okay, this season's going to be messed up, but the next season is going to return to normalcy. So I can kind of see from that perspective that like, 
okay, maybe it is imperative that they do get this season kind of on a roll, but I hope it doesn't like devolve into what you said, where like, if, if a team evaluates themselves and thinks, all right, like Lakers have it going, Denver has it going, maybe the Warriors are back, but we kind of suck. And, and we, this season's a farce. It's not important to us anyways. We're just going to tank again. I, I, I hope that's not the case. I, I think this season is going to be more wide open than, than we think definitely more wide open than last season, but um, I hope it doesn't turn into that. I'll throw one out there. I was trying to look at the teams and say like, what team might really annoyingly rest somebody more than what people expect. And with, if Chris Stapps Porzingis is going to be out for the whole season and the Dallas Mavericks are looking towards next off season thinking like, Oh, we can sign Giannis. And then it's, you know, then it's all, going to be happy, happy rainbows from there on out because we'll have Luca, Giannis, we'll have Chris Stapps back, hopefully healthy. And if if Chris Stapps is going to miss the whole season, then Luca might get rested more this year than what people would think because if Dallas is staying in contention for a playoff spot and he gets injured at all, then I, that's one of those situations where it's like somebody who you wouldn't necessarily think would get rested a lot if... uh if a team's evaluating it in a, in the way that I just described, I think Dallas is one of those that like you could get really disappointed. Now that's not to say that speaking from a fantasy perspective, I would discount Luca anymore, you know, going into drafts or anything. It's just one of those things that, you know, you're looking through and you're like, okay, what's the situation? How's it going to bear out? Who's already dealing with injuries? How's that again, affect the, the game plan for the season? And, and that's one that stands out to me as like, it could be a, it could trip you up. Like if you take Luca super high in a draft because it's appropriate. Um, and then some dumb resting stuff happens with the, with the Mavs, because who knows if Luca gets hurt early too in the season and then has to miss a month and there's like 15 game losing streak or something completely absurd. Then, then they're the warriors of last year. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I'm just, I'm almost preparing myself emotionally for, to get really pissed off about something like that during this season because it was immensely frustrating last year to kind of be like, okay, when's Steph coming back? Wait, wait, Draymond's maybe going to play like every night. He was questionable almost super annoying. Not to say that there wasn't guys that on the, uh, on the warriors who did kind of rise up in the milieu and to, to, uh, to have some decent seasons or decent performances. It was cool to see Damian Lee and Eric Pascal and, and, other guys put up some unique stats. You know, Andrew Wiggins seemed like he was more committed on defense with the Warriors at least a little bit. So, and Marcus Chris actually playing on a, even though it wasn't a good team last year, playing in a good organization seemed to help him in in some regards as far as making some steps forward in uh, in his uh, progression. What do you think about Marcus Chris if or Marquise Chris? If you don't mind me asking, um, I know I'm just kind of throwing this off the off the heap here to you, but like it, he, he might end up being the starting center for the, the Warriors again this season. And that could end up play, paying dividends for him in fantasy, especially if they don't go draft a guy like Wiseman or, uh, Onyeka on I can't know. Kongu. I'm, I'm still working on all my, my, uh, well, I think in general, I think the, the Warriors, I think try to identify players that have maybe slipped through the cracks. Um, of other teams and they can kind of try to fit them into their system and make them, um, I guess, smarter basketball players or just 
be like, oh, you're really good at this. We're only focusing on that for you. Like that is your contribution to the team. And I don't know. I feel like he has been kind of rehabilitated, uh, rehabilitated with them. Like um, I think they have gotten um, a lot out of him and maybe as a fantasy option, uh, he might be worth it. Um for them. he'll definitely be someone to take as a flyer later in yeah. drafts like you know in your final couple rounds to mm-hmm. to see if uh if it pans out especially if over the next month and month or so or month and a half as we're getting into uh getting closer to the nba season starting if we start to hear more about marquise chris actually uh you know getting locking down that role or after the draft if we see that the the warriors didn't sign anybody. They didn't make any trades to bring in another center. Like he's, I mean, but then again, anybody who's on that roster, if they don't add any more big men, you're, you're going to be looking at even an Alan Smolajic and being like, All right, I'm going to keep an eye on him. See what, see what happens. He had some interesting moments in the G league last year. So, um, all right. I guess, uh, my, my next question is just, what do you, do you have any thoughts about the NBA starting on December 22nd? Uh, do you think it's too quick? I know you, you mentioned the fact that uh, it, everything that they're doing in, in regards to planning for, for the next NBA season is to make sure that the the following NBA season next year gets back on a normal schedule so that the, uh, you know, essentially they, they just get back to making the same kind of money that they used to. Yeah. Um, well, with the December 22nd or Christmas starting date, it's definitely a quick turnaround and like selfishly, like for the Lakers or even the heat, like that's a pretty quick turnaround for them. Yeah. Um, or any team that made it far in the bubble versus like the Warriors who like, what if the Warriors have just been in a gym, like working out just their team for, for months now. And then they're just like at full strength, ready to jump back. I hope a lot of teams are like that. Like you mentioned the Timberwolves. I hope, they kind of have been doing that this whole time to just like, uh, you know, arm themselves for, uh, you know, the, the next championship race. Um, but I would say that it kind of sucks that we're going to lose out on summer league. I think, right. Like, I don't know. There's not, I don't see any timing for that to, you know, is, I mean, it, it would be called winter league, but, uh, yeah. Um, or fall league, but yeah, no, it's, I just, because they're not even going to do the all-star game and we might not get any um preseason games either oh well that that was my follow-up question like are they going to do some tune-up games or like a summer league slash preseason uh like mashup type scenario because that in itself right like new players who haven't even ever played in the nba are just going to be thrown in there um without any reps or some sort of uh i guess initiation to the game like and that might, that's a good point too, because that might lead to coaches just being like, I haven't had enough time with these guys. I don't know who's, yeah. you know, I know my old dudes. We played all last year with yeah. them. I'm going to lean on those guys. Um, and it might mean that this rookie class doesn't get the, uh, the same kind of run that maybe we've seen in the last few years with certain rookies just really getting cut loose on opening night and being like, go ahead, play a bunch of minutes all year. So, um, all right. Do you have any uh, NBA questions for me, brother? Otherwise, I say we uh, transition. Um, yeah, I guess real quick, like I think one of the criticisms of the like NFL season has been like they didn't build in like specific like weeks 
for maybe everybody to have a buy. So if COVID happened, like NFL is obviously a lot more players moving around than the NBA, but should, I think what this start date does, because it's so quick, it kind of builds in the flexibility to be like, oh, if the whole league has to shut down for two weeks, we can still have a season based on the fact that we started it so early. Like, do you think that yeah. might be a thing where they might be like, all right, COVID numbers are going up again. We're just going to push back the season a week and and, and it's still going to be fine. Like, do you think that m- might be part of the rationale for this? I, it's a really good point. And it's probably something that they took into account where they're like, hey, look, dudes, the longer we push this back, the less buffer we have if something else happens or if there's, you know, an outbreak or if a certain team needs to miss time, miss, miss some games for because people test, po- you know, like because there's just like a rash of people testing positive, whatever it is. Um, uh, yeah, I would say it's plus I, I think another reason to, to rush things back is like those delete eight teams, those teams that didn't get to play in the bubble. What have they been doing? You know, they've just been sitting around for the last six months or so not being able to participate in much because everybody's dealing with the idea that like, we're supposed to be keeping separate and not intermingling too much because of, of everything that's going on. And uh, you just, you wonder like, have these, have these other than the, the little pocket bubbles that the teams got into in the last like month and a half or so, two months where we saw some practices of, of different teams getting together, even during those practice situations, like Atlanta got together and they practiced for a little bit, but they were going to, they were going to be together longer than they anticipated. And they ended up cutting it short. And I, it was probably just something like, okay, we checked in with all of them. Nobody's gotten fat. Or if they did, we like, you know, we took, we got on them about it. But, uh, I think, uh, there's a part of me that looks at this, this downtime, especially for the delete eight teams and wondering, are there, are there going to be guys who come back really out of shape? But we didn't see that, I don't think so, during the the bubble with the other teams. Like during that downtime from when the season got canceled in March to to when it returned a few months later, I didn't I didn't I don't really recall anybody being considered as super out of shape. No, I I wouldn't say that either. And actually to kind of further that, I would say like the reason Uh, or possibly a reason why we saw certain jumps from like guys like Jason Tatum, Mitchell, Murray. I actually think that like how, however many months did we have off like four months that time from when the Rudy Gobert game happened until when the bubble started, that was longer than the actual NBA traditional off season. So with that, um, I think like we almost had a mini off season within the season. So certain players have like aged until like another season um, and gotten better. So maybe it's a possibility that like those teams that never even made it to the bubble, if they've been grinding this whole time, maybe we're about to see the best version of Kyrie Irving that we've ever seen. Or maybe we're about to see like, um, like Bradley Beal is going to make another jump because he hasn't been there. And all he's been doing is just working on his game. Like that's could be possible. I don't know, but no, I like that idea because essentially the way you laid it out, there's been two off seasons for these guys Mm -hmm. to get in the gym, work on their game with no real way to, you know, show it off. So it'll be, man, you just threw that out. And I was sitting here trying to rack my head, but like, Bradley Beal's a good one because he's been doing great. He's also a guy who's on a team that plays him a sugar ton of minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, that that 
that team in general has a lot of question marks about what they're going to be next year, though, just because of the return of John Wall, though. So that that definitely throws a wrench into things in regards to who handles the ball. You know, I, Bradley Beal is not going to be able to handle it nearly as much as he did if if John Wall stays healthy. Um, all right. Well, hey, brother, you want to talk some uh, politics? Sure. <laughs> All right, CJ, uh, what's your political journey been like through your life? Did you grow up with certain values and have they changed over time? Uh, well, I guess I'll qualify myself a little bit. Um, so my grandfather, my mom's dad, uh, he came from Philippines and brought uh, my grandma, my mom, and my uncles over uh, a long time ago, like in the, like the 70s, uh, during like liberal power in Canada. Um and so he and my, I guess my mom's side of my family, they're more like lifelong liberals. Um, conversely, my dad, Canadian, born here, um, he's a lifelong conservative. Um, so I'm kind of stuck in the middle. I grew up with it kind of with the belief that the liberals are the good guys. Um, I think now that's maybe changed a little bit. Um, but I think growing up, uh, I spent a lot of time on my own, like teaching things myself, just um, relying on myself to get things done. And as a result, I think like personal responsibility is a is a a huge value to me. Um, and I think, uh, I, I guess, due to my schooling or um, in discussions with people, uh, I think personal responsibility has kind of been taken out of left leading ideologies a little bit. Um, and, uh, I don't want to like misquote Rick Rosen, but on your last pod, I think he said something along the lines of the goalposts of, uh, politics have been moved so far. Right. And I, I don't know if I'm like understanding him correctly, but to me, at least in the Canadian context, it, it's the exact opposite. I think we have moved so far left. I'm more of a, of a traditional, I guess, centrist, but because we've moved so far left, I think now people would view me as a little bit more right than your average person. Um, so I guess and, and well, is uh, just to clarify something is when you say liberal and conservative in Canada, does it, yes. do you think that that means the same thing? Most places like, um, uh, well, I would say like, if you want to say like the liberals are the Democrats, the conservatives are the Republicans. Um, I think it does in general mean similar things to you guys uh i don't know about uh, like completely the rest of the world i think canada we're, we're definitely more socialist than you, the united states and we have like policies um like a little bit more like socialized like medicare than what you mm -hmm. guys have so i think we are all like as canadians we're already operating under the idea that like we already are a little bit more socialist than them yeah well, you guys, uh, yeah, you guys, does every country in, or I'm sorry, does every uh, province in Canada, do they have, um, they have nationalized healthcare, right? Um, yes, but it's, it, I think it's different than what um, people think. It's not universal. It's not completely free. And I think there has been actually a little bit of an erosion of things like some things that we used to not pay for now we do pay for. Hmm. Um, but there's also been kind of like an uproar to add, um, like dental care to that. And, uh, I, I mean, one of our, like, uh, our third biggest party, the NDP, um, 
uh, sounds like a WWE group. <laughs> Uh, what's that? What's that stand for? They stand for uh, like the New Democratic Party. They're they're more left leaning, um, or they're, they're even more left leaning than the Liberal Party. Um, they kind of like ran um, under the idea that like dental care should kind of be free for m- most people. And I mean, it sounds good. Uh, it, to me, it's a little bit too idealistic, it, unless you just simply raise taxes or move money around to cover that. Um, but yeah, I, I would say in general, I found, I have found myself a little bit probably more on the right than most people here, um, and uh, that that doesn't mean that I am like uh, uh, like conservative for life or ever. All my ideals are conservative. I just feel like we have moved so far left that me being kind of more of a centrist, I'm now viewed as more right. If that makes sense. Right. Even though you feel as though, I mean, it sounds as though I'm not trying to speak for you or anything. It sounds even though you're, you're, you feel as though your uh, views are are more nuanced than to say like, I'm this or I'm that or whatever. Like, like I don't personally, I don't want any labels. Like Mm -hmm. I I used to call myself a Bernie bro, but now I'm just like, if anything, if you want to label me, the closest thing I think you could say is like a libertarian. And that's just from the perspective that like libertarians generally get regarded as people who just want to be left alone. And they don't want like, like from that perspective, I'm like, I'll take care of my healthcare. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, now the reason I feel that way is also because I have conflicted emotions about the healthcare industry. I don't believe that they're all, that they're out to heal people as much as they're out to make money. And, and that's a corrupt situation that, um, you know, I, it's going to take a lot of legislating from people who are in big places of power. Um, and, uh, my dad's playing the Imperial March, uh, Darth Vader theme out, outside my door. So I just, sorry about I, that. I don't think I'm picking it up for me, but <laughs> thank God. Um, but, uh, no, anyways, that's a whole nother story. Uh, my dad dresses up as Darth Vader around my hometown and is like known as that. He's like, that's John Darth Vader. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so, yeah, essentially, I think there's so much corruption and and greed in our healthcare systems that people don't actually get treated the way that they should be treated. Like 90% of, in my opinion, our healthcare decisions should be your doctor saying, what's your diet? You know, do you do, you do any fasting ever? Uh, you know, do you drink? You know, essentially, like, I think most of our health problems come from our diet. So, that's like people thinking that a pill is going to cure them magically or that you, uh, you need, you need to undergo surgery and stuff like this. It's like, well, who are you talking to for these decisions? You're talking to people whose job it is to tell you that this is what you should buy, or these are the products we sell from the pharma pharmaceutical people who come in and, and inform me. And it's like, it's not that there's any maliciousness in some of this either, as much as it's just people who buy into a system that I personally think is more harmful in in a lot of respects than what people think. Also, it's like it's money shoved into these corrupt little pockets that in reality, if we took the corruption out of the pharmaceutical industry and the the healthcare industry or the uh, health insurance industry as in regards to how much things get charged, like, you know, $16 for a Q-tip or something stupid like that. If you get an itemized bill, if you take away that corruption, you'll quickly find out like, Healthcare doesn't cost that much. 
it's just been leveraged by gangsters in the industry who constantly want to make more money off of the different products that they are producing. And that's, I don't know, are these, you know, something I've never really looked into that just came into my mind. Like, are these publicly traded companies like are drug because drug companies that are trying to improve your health, if they're publicly traded and they're like beholden to their investors, that's just, you know, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough because it's like, there needs to be accountability and maybe that comes from regulation, but I'm also not a fan of regulation because like as someone who I, I, yeah, it's just funny the way that sometimes regulation can lead to higher prices for the people that matters, which is the people who don't have a lot of money, the, the, the working Joes corruption in an industry can, or, or over-regulation of an industry often just pushes higher prices onto us and I'm probably not making my point as well as I, as I would like to right now, but essentially I don't think healthcare costs a lot. I think healthcare is something that people don't understand because it's such a convoluted many layered thing where it's like, ultimately if, if you're, if you're not healthy, the first thing you should be doing is checking yourself and going and seeing what's in the cupboard. And that's coming from a dude who eats pizza like seven times a week. So, okay. Well, if I'm so no judgment, take from that like correctly um i think you just said that the L, like the idea of personal responsibility is still important it's still a good base to start from right where like um maybe that also comes in tandem with education you need to teach maybe kids growing up that like hey this is nutritious this isn't or or like if you want to live a healthy lifestyle um sometimes that means cutting out certain things or doing things in moderation or the idea that like, um, you, you know, a really good body, uh, might not be made simply in the gym. It's more made in the kitchen, right? Like, uh, what's easier, uh, to go to the gym and run on the treadmill for 20 minutes or just not eat a chocolate bar. Like if you yeah. kind of instill that into certain people, like maybe that can kind of educate them to like have, uh, I guess, a better lifestyle, like more healthy habits. And I don't know um, if that will help, but I think, I think it would. Um, it's, it's a mixture. It's essentially, there is a lot of the personal responsibility stuff. If you want to be genuinely healthy and feel good and not be weighed down by physical ailments that then affect your emotional state and then make you a cantankerous person to be around or however it may be, makes it harder to get through the day's work. Uh, but there is also the level of corruption or, uh, greed in the pharmaceutical and the, the health care industry or the, the health insurance industry that the pricing of the treatments that we do receive are so absurd that I think it, it distracts people from the reality that like, ultimately it's up to you. Like if you want to live a long life, you know? Do common sense stuff. Eat food that is actually food. You know, if you're if you're eating a bunch of processed crap, then you're not eating real food. Like if you were just put yourself in the perspective of a person who was born into this world, what kind of stuff would you eat? If you if you parents raised you up to the point that you could actually walk and forage by yourself, you wouldn't be hunting all the time, in my opinion, because that takes a lot of energy. Now, unless you set up some kind of like fishing stuff, ingenuity of humanity is beautiful. We can 
create efficiencies for ourselves so that like it isn't hard to go harvest fish out of the river or whatever because or harvest crabs if you're living on the ocean or do all these things that do make it easy but things like nuts and berries and fruit there's a reason why these things are so bright hanging from the places that they hang it's because you're supposed to look out on your world oh i'm a human living on earth and you you know you, oh that's food i'm gonna go get that food like I'm not, that's not to say that all berries are all, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you do have yeah. to, um, but that's, that's kind of my opinion of, of healthcare is like, it, it goes back down to common sense. And, um, and I definitely, another part of that common sense is like realizing that how many people do, does your doctor see in the day that they see you? How much time do you spend with them? 10 minutes, maybe five. Uh, I guess if I could just say for personally yeah. myself, I don't even see my doctor anymore. I haven't seen her in years. Like anytime I go to the doctor's office, it's always like the on staff, like nurse or like the, like the one step down from um, the doctor, whatever position that is it, or like um, uh, an intern doctor, like somebody who's like not a full on doctor yet, but kind of on their way. I, I barely ever see my actual like physician anymore. Um, yeah. They're almost like an administrator. It seems these yeah, days they just yeah. now. and granted this might just be different too, between our two countries, me living yeah. in uh, America and you living up in Canada. But, um, but yeah, I, I think my point has, has kind of been made in that respects. Um, I, 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 I have one more um, kind of, I guess, along the lines of corruption um, as well. Um, we have a thing here, like the, the medical industrial complex. And I think it's against Canadian law for a doctor to, uh, take money from a drug company. Like you can't like actually like be like, here's our drugs and here's $50,000 to just push it up on people. But there are incentives for doctors that they can take. Like, for example, if a doctor gets like, I don't know, a letter in the mail that says, Hey, would you like to come to Hawaii uh, and be in part of our conference and we'll pay for it and you can like learn about our drug and whatever? The doctor can take that, go to Hawaii, enjoy the vacation, come home and then be like, oh, well, that that uh, conference was very informative. I like these drugs from these companies. I can now uh, refer them to people. And I hope, hey, maybe there is like uh, uh, benefits that can come from that. Like, I hope that. Uh, the doctors still do their research and like figure out for their clients uh, or their patients, what are the best like drugs for them. Um, but yeah, that is something that does go on where it's a little skirt around being like, we can't mm -hmm. give them directly money, but we could give them kind of an, a vacation to come to or whatever. Well, um, and I, I th there might even, I was listening to this uh, podcast a couple weeks ago and they were talking about how, um, doctors in America with the pharmaceutical industries and stuff like that, like, or the vaccine companies and CDC and whatnot, like you, um, if, if a doctor gets a certain percentage of their people or their, their patients to take a vaccine, they get a bonus. Like if you get over 68% of your, your people to take this thing, you get a bonus of some sorts. I need to look into that more. I'm just, essentially regurgitating something I heard on another podcast, uh, yeah. Charlie, Charlie Robinson's macro aggressions. Um, if that's true, then that just like that de incentivizes them to keep people. If people don't want to 
you know, if they don't feel secure giving, taking a vaccine or something like that, which is like, I'm, I'm not saying to be against or for those things, like do your own, you know, do your own research. I'm just, it's having that mechanism in there to reward pushing something is, I think it's bad. Um, or at least it leads to the potential for corruption the same way as offering, you know, trips and free trips and stuff like that to, to sexy places to go to a conference just because you're going to go get marketed to a whole bunch. Um, if, uh, I guess, uh, my final question about politics to you is, uh, is there any recent news that has come up that you wanted to talk about? I didn't, there's nothing that I saw on the, uh, come across the news in the last couple of days that really hit me. But if there's something you wanted to talk about, I've, I've probably read about it. Um, not anything, I guess, recent, uh, just in general, I, I guess like as Canadians, we're still like interested in the American election. Um, and what I would say is that, um, for my problem with like mainstream media from like the Canadian perspective is like, here for four years, I don't think I've heard a single good thing about Trump. And I'm not trying to be like an, uh, uh, like a Trump sympathizer or like an apologist for him. But what I would like, if possible, is just to hear an unbiased take of what has happened with his policies or like laws he signed or, or whatever is going on, like his own dealings. What does that mean? Like, I've never heard any, like, even a pros and cons. I've just heard for four years all bad things. And I think what that's contributed to in Canada is we view, like, Trump as, I think, even just as toxic or maybe even more toxic than the than the than Americans do, than the people that hate him in America do. We view it as almost just like, wow, this is, like, unbelievable what's going on down there. Like, and I think also as like Canada kind of has that like little brother, big brother relationship with the United States where like the United States is kind of like that, that older, more successful, uh, like older brother. And Canada's like the little brother that's going to take any jabs they can at the United States. I think a lot of Canadians kind of do that. And I think it, for a long time, it's just kind of been like, wow, their country is like on fire and this is absolutely horrible. And I, I think view it, just slightly differently. And I don't know, like, I don't know if you feel that way or if, if you've ever like talked to Canadians or dealt with them and like kind of got that vibe or anything. Um, or maybe just, maybe that's the vibe where you live. Like there's a lot of people that just think that way. Um, but yeah, I just, I just feel like there hasn't been like an accurate account of what has gone down um, this past four years personally. Um, no, I agree. I well, that, and that's, I stopped trusting the media back when I was a Bernie bro because I didn't like the way they treated him. And I kind of shared this on one of the last couple podcasts, but essentially when I saw the media give Trump two billion in in free advertising by letting him on a bunch of shows or letting him call in all the time and, and they just was like, Hey, it's it's great ratings. We're gonna we're gonna milk this because they didn't think he could win. It wasn't until Trump started actually beating establishment political candidates during the, the 2016 primaries that once they saw that he could win, that's when the media went, they did an about face and they just started saying all this negative stuff about him. Whereas before they were like, you know, chumming it up and ha ha ha. He's funny. Let him say stupid stuff because it gives us ratings. 
when they when they finally decided he wasn't you know they didn't want to be propping him up because he could actually win and that the establishment candidate they were all pushing had a chance of losing it's it just felt like a, a redo of everything that i saw them do to bernie sanders in regards to uh never taking him seriously not giving him the same kind of interviews that they would give to other candidate you know the other candidate um and it kept me open-minded to the idea that like maybe people are just buying into all the negative propaganda or, or all the negative narratives around Trump instead of taking the time to evaluate for themselves. But I also think that is an extrapolation of the fact that people are overworked. They don't have time to spend with their families, let alone to look deep into situations where it's like the media says, Trump said this, 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 and this, and he's a, he's a, this, 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 and this kind of a person where it's like, did you watch it? Because I bought into the narratives too. I thought, oh man, he's a racist. He did this, he did that. And he might have, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to defend him as much as just try to say, I want the truth. I want genuineness. I want you to re if, if he's a piece, if he's a POS, if he's a piece of crap, it shouldn't be that hard to prove. He says a bunch of stupid stuff all the time. It shouldn't mm -hmm. be that hard to, to bring him down or to, you know, in, in a, you know, uh, perspectively and, and whatnot. And, uh, unfortunately so many of the narratives that get pushed around him have been false, completely false, or at least exaggerated, taken out of context. And you're going to lose me. You're, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm still not going to vote for the guy, but I'm not going to go, I'm not going to ra rail against him the way that everybody expects you to. And I'm not going to assume the worst about him just because you're telling me to, um, man, that Charlottesville stuff. I still, I know a lot of people, they don't want to hear it, but if you go back and watch that, that those two different interviews that he had in Charlottesville or where he got up and talked, he denounces white supremacy in that very thing where they said that he was like supporting them and all, or, and the very fine people stuff. Like, like it's fine. Like I get it. People will get emotional about even hearing that perspective. But if you go back and watch both of those press conferences that he held after Charlottesville, it's, it's just not the way the media reported it. It's not, it's not. Now the, the hard thing with that is too, though, a lot of these media companies are tied to a lot of our social media companies. And if you aren't actively working to find the original long form interviews of things, sometimes it's really hard to find that stuff. You know, you can't, you got to try different search engines to find the information you want because these, if you read through the WikiLeaks emails, you know that some of these social media companies are working hand in hand with certain people from certain political uh, agendas and they're, they're helping them. I mean, it's, I think it's the reason why we're seeing so, so much of this weird uh, notes on all of our social media these days about you know, watch out for disinformation and this and that and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, isn't that again, personal responsibility? Like we all have to evaluate for ourselves. And I think too often we just, there's a lot of people who just accept stuff and it's not necessarily their fault. It's a, it's a, it's a part of the system and how just inundated we are with trying to pay our bills and things like that, which I think is another, like, that's what I want to get away from. I want to get to the idea of working 32 hours a week or less like they do in France or like that is reported. And, um, I, 
I, I think we can pay for healthcare and stuff like that. I want, I want universal healthcare. I think we can pay for it, get the corruption out of there. So, and that's not, that's a big task. And, and who, who can do that? Because if we've essentially had a bunch of systems set up by gangsters over the last hundred years of our establishment politics in not just America, but in like around the world, who do you bring in to take down gangsters? Are you going to bring down a nice guy? Are you going to get a nice guy? Nice guy's not going to do it. You're going to have to come out, get somebody who's out there talking trash, calling them names, giving them nicknames, disparaging them, or at least pointing people towards the corruption that they offer and the other narratives by giving them little hints, you know? Um, it's And it sounds stupid and it sounds like it's just a bully, but sometimes you need to go, you know... You might have a bully walking through through town and then what happens? A bigger bully who actually likes that person comes and stands up for him. And it's not perfect, but if that's the reality of the situation then like I mean I don't want to I don't want to vote for any gangsters. I don't want a gangster system, but I think that's ultimately what we're living in politically is a gangster system. And that's I, I want to hear any thoughts that you have on this, but that kind of transitions us into politics because you see some of the gangster issues of, po of um, I'm sorry, not politics, religion in regards to how much they hid the, all the rape crap that happened by people for so, you know, like decades upon decades or the fact that Penn State got hidden for so long. And I, I know I've used that example before, but like the idea that people who do bad things can't keep a secret I don't believe that self-interest is a heck of a motivator. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I feel like, I guess, relating back in general to uh, like the mainstream media kind of like creating their own narratives. I think the problem with that is, is it polarizes people and it kind of like creates like, like fake news. What does fake news actually mean? It, it are like, or does it mean something different for everybody? Like, does fake news mean like, oh, like I'm a Trump supporter and anything bad against him is fake news? Or does fake news mean um, anything good about Trump is bad? Like, I think th the problem now is, is just like, I think people don't really trust institutions anymore. And and it's, they probably shouldn't. But the problem is, is like, th that's a problem in itself. That the fact that like, you can't go on, you can't go on CNN and like, think like everything they're giving me is 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 accurate or it there's no agenda behind it at all or conversely you can't go on fox right you can't go on fox and just assume like everything is everything they tell me is right and i think the problem with that is most people end up just going to whatever source that already reaffirms their beliefs mm -hmm. and um i mean i don't want to do that like I don't want to only get information from like a Ben Shapiro or a Tucker Carlson and then just take that as, you know, the truth. Um, but the problem is, is like you definitely can't get any sort of objectivity, probably like from like MSNBC or or CNN. So like you like it's like you have to kind of seek out things that um, like might be more objective, but you also have to be careful that you don't want to like fall into that sand trap to be like, oh, yeah, I align with this guy's beliefs and I just want to hear him all the time, right? Yeah. No, I uh most of the people that I really enjoy listening to are I'll 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 listen to Tim Pool. Uh and he's gotten 
maybe too big for his britches in some regards. And what I mean by that is like, once a person reaches a certain level of notoriety or success, they're going to be trying to protect themselves all the time too. So I don't think you're necessarily going to get the, the, the raw uncut perspectives that you used to. So like Tucker Carlson, Ben Shapiro, those kind of guys, I don't, I'll get, I've given them listens. I will listen to them from time to time. If somebody's like, Hey, this, this is like a legitimate report. Maybe give it a listen. But for the most part, if you're mainstream big name and you're pushing for one side or the other, I don't want to hear about it. I want what I enjoy. And one reasons why I, I like Tim pool. I have started following him back when he was doing, uh, the, uh, Oh, uh, occupy wall street stuff, which is what he started building his building himself on, or because he was down there hanging out, covering that with just like an iPhone. And then he went to Ferguson, uh, after the, uh, Oh crap. Michael, I can't think of his name right now. Um, but the, the boy that got killed, um, by, by a cop in Ferguson, he was there covering that. And I saw him getting shot with like tear gas and running down the street and jumping into some random person's car to, that was trying to help him, uh, that he didn't know. And like, you see people on the ground in those situations and it gives you a little bit of, it gave me faith that Tim was there trying to report on things in an earnest way. I also felt like after Tim did that stuff, he went and created his, his YouTube channel. He was a, he was a founder of vice news. Like he worked for some of the big, the big industry stuff. And then he went away from it. Um, so anyways, I just, I look at his opinion. And I feel like when he shares it, it's pretty genuine. That's not to say that, um, yeah, you, you gotta, gotta look at multiple sources. What I like about guys like Tim pool or, uh, I like Jimmy Dore from the left. Um, they seem genuine in their deconstruction of the news. Um, I love the no agenda podcast because they, they seem genuine in their deconstruction of the news. I want deconstruction of the news. I want you to go through news items that we're all getting fed by the mainstream media right now, because this is what I feel is most helpful to me understanding our world as it's, as it's currently going on. And I want you to say like, what are they trying to sell us? What, what's legitimate? What's propaganda? Um, and it's tough because you have to be willing to spend a lot of time sifting through all these different narratives just to be able to even discern like, to, I mean, you have to be willing to hear a bunch of different narratives to be able to get to a point where you're feeling like, I, th I, th I think I see the, the truth, you know, the truth be between the lines or the, uh, you know, reading between the lines. And all. I think I see what's actually going on. And, and of course it's, it's nuanced. It's in the middle of all the narratives in a, in a lot of respects. Um, and I, and, I mean, I hope with that, like, I hope, like, again, I don't want to come out as like, come off as like a, a Trump sympathizer or anything like that. Um, but what I would say is like, I hope that with that research that individuals do, and it, it, and I guess it's tough, you know, like it, it's hard, like not everybody has, I don't know, three hours a day to just like look at what, like CNN said or Fox said or any news source said, and then like deduce like um, their kind of accurate account of what they think went on. But if people do do that, I'm happy with people like they've, they've read everything. They went through transcripts. Uh, they've made connections. They looked at a bunch of different sources. And then if they fall a little, if they fall on the left or, or wherever they fall, 
that's cool. If they fall on the right, wherever they fall, that's cool too. I just, I just hope that people are learned in some aspects or definitely around certain like policies and big news articles that come out. And then wherever they fall after kind of making that internalization uh, within themselves, I'm, I'm cool with that. I just don't want like kind of blindly following, you know, a report by this person or that news agency, just because like you heard it in passing and that's kind of what everybody else is into. So you just kind of accept it. Well, I think it's, it's, um, kind of speaking to all that in some regard, it's like, even though, even if I'm consuming multiple narratives and I'm going through and I'm, I'm feeling like, Oh, I, I, it's always going to end with, I think I see the truth or I think I see what narratives I'm being sold. So I can discern like, okay, this person has this, what they're trying to sell. This person's trying to sell that at the end of it, um, kind of losing my idea here, but okay. What I think is hard for people to, to grasp is how much you have to be willing to say, I don't know. I wasn't there. I didn't, I didn't see the event unfurl. I read it. I read an article about it. Like, I don't know. And maybe that just stops a lot of people from talking, but it, it definitely doesn't on social media. I know people get on social media all the time and they'll get in fights with their with their family members. And I used to do this back in 2016. It's the reason I left Facebook. Uh, no, thanks, man. Because but, you, when I get face to face with these people, I, they're still awesome people. They're still great people. They're hoping for good things. Yeah. We just think we disagree because we think different systems will result in the best outcome, but the best outcome we're both hoping for is that everybody's happy, healthy, can get the healthcare they need when they need it. Uh, doesn't have to live paycheck to paycheck to the point that like you're stressed out all the time and that's making you sick, you know, like that's uh, like, I, I believe in the personal responsibility thing f- to a certain as- uh, uh, aspect, but as we've seen this year with the 2020 stuff, like there are times where the institutions can leverage businesses, people's mindset, their their ability to evaluate things rationally um and that's that's probably that's another reason why i wanted to have this podcast and have these longer conversations with people is so that we all had the breadth to actually share our nuanced perspectives without people kind of uh creating this idea that if you defend a talking point from someone that you disagree with you are not necessarily advocating for them as much as just I'm just advocating for honesty and genuineness from people because I'm a hugger, man. I, I hate all this stuff this year. I don't, I want to be able to hug people. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Well, I think that also goes in with just questioning things. Like um, if I posit something, if I throw something out there, it doesn't mean I'm supporting it. It just means like I am actively thinking and throwing it out there that like, Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, during COVID, is it possibly maybe an issue that if we're all just spending time in our house, like maybe that creates its own set of problems. And I don't want somebody to then just take from that being like, okay, I guess you don't care about people because you just want to leave your house and, and, and go party and like yeah. go to concerts and stuff. It's just like, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, I'm questioning whether this is, I don't know, necessarily completely a good thing or not, you know? Right. I mean? Like, or, and again, I just feel like people kind of throwing those questions out there, 
Um, I don't want people to just assume that, you know, there's, there's something sinister behind somebody questioning that it's just like, I'm up for a debate of really any sort. And that might even mean defending a side that I agree with or disagree with. Right. So like, it's, I kind of like having those discussions and I hope that people, I guess, going forward, just have those. And I think that's what this podcast, uh, is would be valued for it's just like you can kind of throw things out there that you might not even believe but you still question right like right yeah like well because how do you know if what you're thinking sounds stupid unless you say it too you know there's certain times where i have ideas and like as soon as i get done saying it i'm like that's Mm -hmm. i uh, you know like i almost have to start making qualifiers like but you know i don't i don't really like you know like you were just saying like i just want to get you know i want to hear other people's opinions to bounce and reflect. And so that I'm not living in my own echo chamber of my mind, especially in this time where like, I, I was living alone for those like first two lockdown months, just playing video games all the time, like, and tweeting on Twitter constantly, like who, you know, am I, that's one of the reasons why I like to watch the different people deconstructing the news, whether it's on YouTube or listening to podcasts, because I want to hear other opinions, other perspectives of the news. And to make a point about the whole perspective thing, did you see that uh, thing that Rex Chapman tweeted out yesterday where he, he just said sorcery dot, dot, dot. I didn't or, see it, but okay. Well, it's this TikTok video of a woman and she says, you will only hear the word you're reading. And then she puts up green needle in a little green speech. Oh, box. I saw it. Oh, I did see that. And she puts up that. brainstorm in the other. And if you're watching this video, it's only five seconds long. If you're watching this video and you are looking at Green Needle, you will hear Green Needle. If you are looking at Brainstorm, you will hear Brainstorm. But then there's also little idiosyncrasies in regards to that where it's like, if you're looking away and you're like, for me, if I was thinking Brainstorm, which was surrounded by red, but it's so weird. Like, essentially, if I was thinking of the color, I would hear whatever that thing, those words were, Green Needle. I would hear green if I was thinking green. Whereas brainstorm, I would hear if I was just thinking about the color red. So like, there's all these little psychological things about our perception that we can't even trust. Like you can't trust your own eyes and ears. And I love these little, these little examples of this. It's like the, the face, the face that looks like a vase or, uh, there's, there was that one recording a couple of years ago where it was a, depending on who was listening to it, you could be sitting in the same room, listening to the same audio thing. It's kind of like this Rex Chapman uh, little TikTok video that he tweeted out. Both people could hear this different different names being said. Like it was only two different names, but it's just something with how we process our like information. The, the the Yanni or the Laurel yeah. thing or whatever that was. Yanni or Karen or whatever. It was two yeah. very different words. Yeah. There's also that thing that the 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 famous dress thing, whether it was yes. like uh like black and white or golden and or black and blue or golden white, you know, like exactly, yeah, yeah. So that's sure. just you can't trust your own eyes and ears. So it's just like always that. Just to, I, I as much as I want people to to be willing to hear nuanced conversations, I also want people to realize like the way you process information, you might be lying to yourself. Like, and, and, um, there's just, there's a lot of little, 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 little psychological aspects of our, are the way we consume information that it's, we don't, 
we've never had the perspective to put to to really understand them and 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 i think it's also just hard overall for people to admit like that the lies they've been told are so big like there's so many lies out there that you've been told or that, in my opinion in regards to like you know it's there's the level of wmds the fact that you're getting lied to on a mass scale to justify war it's this that's the same stuff that i i'm always questioning like are we if we're being sold fear if we're being sold fear ever i'm just i'm gonna i'm not gonna leave i'm not gonna believe you you're gonna have to really come with hard hard evidence to try to justify me being afraid of something because I've also lived with enough emotional uncertainty in my life or moments of depression and stuff like that, that I, I, I think I've cultivated enough tools that I don't really get there these days, at least not in quite a long time, but I've lived with that uncertainty enough to, to finally get to the point where I'm completely okay being like, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm going to share my perspective. But I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't, I don't know if this computer, uh, work workshop exists in Delaware. I have no idea. I've never been there. And anybody who's trying to say that they know definitively this or that, like you don't know you're going based off a set of bullet points regarding certain information about certain people. And if it's not you, and if it's not, if you weren't there, you don't know. Oh, and by the way, because of our lack of ability to perceive things in a way that is understandable at times when it's, you know, you're reading one thing and you're hearing another it's um it's just i just wish people were uh more comfortable with the uncertainty but that's it, it's hard it's hard yeah my uh one one of my close buddies uh he always throws out this line it's funny he uh i guess maybe your dad would like it he uh he says only siths deal in absolutes and it's just <laughs> like anytime you ever hear somebody like say something like definitively this happened or this is the reason why or this is why you should think like this i always think like i'm still gonna keep an open mind i can't I, like for most things, I can't ever like definitively say like I can't definitively ever say like this policy is completely bad or what that person did. Uh, I I can never forgive them based on that news report. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Um. I I, I don't really deal in absolutes in in in, in that way. Uh. To always just simply uh think like this is this is the way it is and this is the way it always has to be. Um, and there's no change to that. But even just like you just saying that I've heard other people say something similar and it's not too far from what I was essentially expressing. People will like ascribe to you the worst, the worst notions. Like, like they'll, they'll, because you are saying you don't know, they'll be like, you're a sympathizer. I'm like, of what? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm really just trying to to understand and to to grasp everything i'm not trying to sympathize or yeah anyways i think you get my point well brother do you want to talk about a little bit of religion sure. get away from these politics <laughs> um all right this is kind of just an overarching question what's your spiritual journey been like through your life um and did you grow up with certain beliefs or and have they changed over time so it was really poorly uh poorly asked but i would love to hear your response cj no, um, yeah, I grew up going to Catholic school, uh, elementary school and high school. Um, and sometimes, you know, uh, throughout growing up, like there were times that I thought, oh, maybe this is just a waste of time or 
Um, but looking back, like uh, I'm pretty happy with my upbringing. Um, I think I have a personal relationship like with God and like Catholicism is my base. Um, but that doesn't mean like, I, like, I don't believe I need to go to church on Sunday all the time, or I don't, I, I don't need to talk to a priest to talk to God. I think like there's more of just a one-on-one -on -one relationship I got going on there. Um, and I mean, but I do value, I guess, like growing up Catholic just from like, I guess, allegorical, like lessons that I've learned. Like, I don't, I don't want to like impose my beliefs or religion on anybody. Um, I just hope that like, uh, you know, somebody who, and it, it's, it probably happens and, and people's parents are obviously major factors too. Right. Like, I just hope that, um, I feel like I got a lot out of Catholic school and I just hope that like other religions and, and, and other schools still, uh, like offer similar values. And I think they do, right. Like, like the golden rule is found in like almost every religion across the world. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess now, like, I, like my involvement within the Catholic community is like lessened, but uh, I think spiritually, like I'm still, you, you know, like uh, a believer in God. And I think praying does help at times. It's almost like meditation or whatever. Yep. Um, but yeah, I guess that would be my answer to that. Um, and do you, do you pray? Like, are you a, are you a regular prayer or an active prayer or... Um, I think like I, I would like to be like sometimes I think uh, before bed, it's nice, like just kind of like, I, I don't know, saying thanks or just hoping like for the best um, protection, you, safety, that type of thing. I think a lot of people I mean, so I think a lot of people kind of they're like, OK, if you're praying, you got to like kneel down at the side of your bed or whatever. To me, I like that you said it's it's kind of like meditation, because to me, I, I think like walking meditation, walking prayers, just like as you go through your day, if you're dealing with something in your head, that's like distracting you in a bad way. If you're dealing with negative thoughts, if you are, uh, lacking motivation to me, meditation and prayer, it's, it's almost like the same thing. It's like mm -hmm. you, you don't need to get into a certain position necessarily to do it. Um, and, and a lot of it's just asking for help or asking yourself for help or telling yourself to relax or, you know? Yeah. Um, I, and I, I guess related to that, like, I, I think a lot of people sometimes criticize, like, you, you know, imagine like, uh, like somebody wins the NBA championship. And the first thing they say when like they hold the mic up to them is like, praise the God. And then so many people are just like, dude, like you just like dunked over four guys. That wasn't because of God. You know what I mean? But I think what, like what that person is saying is just like, they have a relationship with God and throughout their life, they have engaged with God. And like, they just know, like, I guess at times they, they feel like, Oh, he, he's there. Like I'm, I'm experiencing a bad moment. I have negative thoughts. I'm just going to look to God for a little bit of guidance and whether he exists or not, or whether you believe he exists or not, doesn't matter. It's just the idea that like, okay, I'm going to calm myself down. I'm going to like, um, I guess recenter myself and then just move on. And I think that is where like a lot of people's explanations or inspirations come from when, you know, they do something incredible and then they say like, all praise be to God. It's just because they know in the journey, in those moments, 
there was kind of like a, a little bit of a guiding light or like something they could always refer back to and just kind of balance themselves with. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if, if they pray before every game and then they see the results of a lifetime of success to them, the logical step there was like, I keep asking for all the success and God keeps giving it to me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, fine. I, you know, I don't live inside your head. I don't know what you're, you know, I don't know what you're asking for and what you're and whatnot. And, um, if the world is sound in vibration or, you know, reality is sound in vibration or this idea of string theory, you know, there's so many different ideas that get tossed out theories that get tossed out scientifically where it's like, if you really wanted to, you can, you can extrapolate a lot of that stuff to from a scientific point of view or from a, I guess that the scientific point of view, you can, you can find reasons to say like, speaking to God, you are, maybe that name is the frequency that allows that entity or that being to, to, to talk to you or ultimately what really matters for so many of us is, is in my opinion, the realization that like so much of our perspective of the outside world is how we process it. And all that anxiety we feel, the fear, the, um, you know, I guess anxiety is the biggest thing, the pressure, the stress that's all in our heads, you know? So, but you don't necessarily need psychology to get out of that. I think a lot of people just use different, different methods. What, you know, if you're not religious, you meditate. If you're, uh, if you are religious, you, you meditate from the perspective of that religion, whether it's, you know, praying or ritual ceremony. And if, if, if anything that's done out of a purpose of making people happier and more successful and living in less stress, I mean, I, I'm all for, you know, I, as long as you're not trying to hurt anybody else, I, I, I think it's all good. Yeah. And I do value, like, I, I value like other religions and like ancient texts because I just feel like that was like an early experience of like humanity and lessons and values that they kind of preached back then can still be valuable today. Like we can still take allegorical meanings from, you know, any really ancient texts. And like, I don't want to, uh, I think at this point, I'm not somebody who believes that everything in the Bible like uh, officially happened in history, but I am somebody who believes that there's is a lot of value that you can take from those stories, those messages. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's not, I, I'm operating again with my base of Christianity, but like, I'm sure if I grew up Jewish or like, um, which is very similar, or if I drew, grew up like Muslim or whatever, I would still find that similar like value from um, I, I guess the base of whatever my religion could have been. Um, no, I mean, I think I'm, I grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, but I think I'm more Buddhist than anything. And yeah. if anything, I'm a sun worshiper, which probably sounds really weird to people, but it's just the acknowledgement for me that what I can see, like what makes common sense to me is the sun gives life to us and you know, you hear things about how important vitamin D is for, uh, for, for, for humans. And that makes sense. Like the sun is the giver of life. So I, I just coming at it from a very, um, common sense kind of perspective of like, I believe what I can see. 
and the sun gives life. When I walk into the sun, when it's a sunny day, I feel great. Obviously, you need to protect yourself from too much sun because you can get burnt and all that kind of stuff. But like, um, you know, if there's a God that we can see with our eyes or a representation of the power of of, of how much more powerful God is than than us, it's things like the moon, the sun, these big celestial bodies. It's like, you know, going in. I grew up in a beach town on Lake Michigan. Almost every night before I'd come home, I would go drive by the beach because it's almost spiritual to look out at that big of a body of water and it kind of centers you. It It's like, oh, oh, I'm that small. Oh, if I, if I, you know, if I went too far, walked into that, I'd die. Like I couldn't, I couldn't fight against it because it's just, it's, it's, I guess perspective is, is, is what to me is, is what I use my religious kind of, um, boundaries or uh, ideas is that, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I'm saying here, but I, I just, I think the sun, like if, 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 sounds sounds like that's what i worship i'm like the sun gives gives life i can see that i acknowledge that how it makes me feel and all this kind of stuff and then there's if you ever have you ever dove into like astro theology or anything like that uh not exactly i don't think so it's astro theology it sounds more it's it's astrology theologically so it's essentially guys like uh santos bonacci has gone through a lot of the different religious texts. And then he takes all this syntax or the uh, etymological aspects of the words. And he tries to connect things like the Holy Bible in, in Greek, I believe he said is Helios Biblios, which just means book of the sun. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I have seen similar connections to that where like the, like the sun is either Jesus or God. And right. It's like, yeah. Yeah. The way through, God, the way to God is through the sun or his mm-hmm. son, stuff like that. It's in, as someone who loves language and literature and things like that and grew up loving that. I love all the etymological comparisons you can make. And, and I do wonder is like, is this all just one religion? Is it all the moon, the stars and the astrology and stuff like that? Because that's what, that's what astrology is too, is people, you know, it's, it's treated as woo woo and whatnot. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure some of it's just like, you know, uh, over over gross ideas that are taken too seriously by a lot of people in some respects. But in other respects, I mean, these are the biggest bodies in our life of structures, you know, the sun, the moon, the stars are supposedly, you know, again, more more suns and whatnot. It's it. It makes a little bit of sense to me to say, like, your emotional well-being is and who you are as a person is affected by when you were born, even if it's just to say like someone who's born in a winter month versus someone who's born in a summer month might have different emotional sensibilities to the world or uh, their diets traditionally might be different because they've spent more time consuming one thing because of when they were born and whatever it might be. I'm just kind of Sorry, sharing a bunch of weird ideas. No, but. no, I think there is uh, like value t- to that. Uh, I, I guess one thing really quick is like the people that work nights, like I'm pretty sure there's a lot of studies that say like if you just work nights and you don't see the sun, like you're just working nights every night, like years of your life are shaved off because you're not getting that valuable like vitamin D and just exposure to the sun. 
just based on that. Um, But also related to like what you're saying too, is like, have you ever heard of just like the mountain, I guess, explanation of religion where like religion is a mountain and like everybody has their own path up. So, you know, maybe Christianity is like the one of the biggest path. Maybe Islam is one of the biggest path, but some people take like rockier paths or like, uh, like an, a walking trail path or whatever, or just like, the, and maybe at the top of the mountain is the sun, right? Like maybe you're just, everybody's just making their way up that mountain to get there. And like, there's different paths and there's different explanations of why and how to get there. But like, ultimately maybe everybody is just headed in the same, to the same place. I like that. I like that. You know, yeah, we're all just cons- yeah. Kind of consuming a different, uh, different roadmaps or, or whatever, but we're all going to end up at the same place. Um, all right. Uh, do you have any other questions about, uh, um, religion for me or otherwise I got a couple questions to kind of wrap up the show. If, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, we can go into those if you like. All right. No problem. Uh, pretty over, uh, open my open. Uh, what makes you happy CJ? Uh, or how do you maintain or find happiness? Um, what makes me happy? I'd say like hanging out with my family, friends, my girlfriend. Um, I think we, like you have talked about that on previous podcasts, you know, interactions with people, even like I would also extend that to um, online. Like I, I think physically it is good to see your friends, see your family um, and talk to them one-on-one and, and hear their voice like live. But I also feel like, um, you know, my buddies and I, we've talked online for years and some people, some of my buddies are just online friends. Like I've never actually met them in yep. person. Um, uh, and sometimes it's just, you know, just good conversations, despite not ever really actually meeting the person I would liken this to that. I think we've had a good conversation here, despite I've never actually really met you in person or anything. Right. Um, but uh, I, I think, you know, conversating, having discussions, that's, uh, important for my happiness. I would also say like maintaining uh, a, a routine. Uh, I think it's nice uh, to, uh, you know, establish a routine. Like for me, probably it's like almost every morning it's like eggs. I don't know why. It's just like I wake up and like, it, it's just kind of nice to know that, okay, I'm going to go to the kitchen. I'm going to make some eggs and it's not the same. And I'm not one of those like OCD people that like, if my routine gets broken, I all of a sudden like fall off a cliff uh, so like flexibility is important too, but I think, uh, establishing a routine, um, is in, is important. And I would also say just like putting positivity above all else. Like I try not to pay too much attention to things that I know would bring me down or just engage in like, um, harmful thought patterns or harbor resentment anywhere. Um, like, uh, I don't know if you ever, you've been driving a car with somebody and then someone cuts somebody off and then every like somebody's yelling, oh, that asshole, whatever. I'm just like, hey, man, we're all just on the road. I'm just trying to get where I'm going. I don't need to like, uh, you know, like pay too much attention to like what what else is going on. I just kind of like stay in my lane and like um, not really try to, uh, I guess, put forward too much negativity out there. Right. I, um, I definitely know what you're talking about in regards to that. And I used to be a road rage person. Now I'm like, I'm like, I drive exactly the speed limit or like one over and I'll put the cruise control on and I'm just like, um, I'm just, we'll get there. Relax. Yeah. Um, but in the same respect, like 
that's what makes me feel more healthy. And it might be more healthy for some of those people who have road rage or who like to express their frustrations with other drivers. Like that might be the healthiest way for them to get it out. You know, at least they're not, at least they're screaming in their car, you know, and they're not out on the street, like actually screaming in these people's faces, which that happens too. But, um, or even yeah. something like if you like, I don't know, let's say uh, you, you're at work or something and then somebody maybe, you know, you're relieving a person and then you realize that person forgot maybe one simple duty um, and then you have to do that. Like as you show up, be like, oh, they forgot this. I got I got to do that. I think some people might have the mindset of like, oh, my God, they're an idiot and they're leaving me to do this now. Great. I hate that. And then for me, it's just like whatever I, I bet you there's been times that i left work where i forgot things and and i'm willing to afford somebody that excuse i if it i if it happened every single time and you know they did it purposely they're like there's malice behind it like oh i'm just gonna cut out of work 15 minutes early and leave kyle to do this thing that i hate doing you yeah, know yeah. there's that but i think in a lot of cases it, it's not that it's just the person just didn't do it it's not there's no malice behind it i just like correct it and move on you know yeah or who and and like if you if you're really trying to give them a uh like understanding of it like maybe they have a lot of anxiety about some dumb little task that you don't have anxiety about and it's like you just come to an agreement like hey if you want to take care of this other you know what i'm saying like mm. uh, you can sometimes alleviate that stuff that way um i I'm I'm not going to pretend I'm perfect. I if you've yeah. if you've worked with me in the in the service industry before and like you know, there's certain people that can work in a kitchen together really well and then there's other people who do other stuff really well together and it's I've definitely snapped at people before and in some times I I feel I get done with it and I'm like I'm like so what? They were they've continually made mistakes and I called them out on it. It's not that big of a deal at the end of the thing. I still, you know, I don't want them to feel like if I snap at somebody, I don't want them to feel anxiety coming into work the next day or whatever. So I'll definitely try to make peace if I feel like things went out of hand. But there's also a lot of people who, if you're working in a certain environment, you're just used to treating each other a certain way to get the job done. And then I'm probably not explaining this as, as well as I could, but as uh, to kind of wrap up a, a similar thought in regards to it, there are definitely times where I've gotten pissed off about somebody's trend in how they do stuff or the fact that they did something once and I get all mad about it or somebody forgot to do this. Are you serious? What these idiots? And then, you know, I go home that night and I had forgotten to do the same thing. And it's just like, you know, it's like, okay, so we're all idiots sometimes. And that's not to say that we need to constantly make excuses for each other, but it's, uh, it's good to have understanding. Um, I have two more questions for you really quick before we get out of here. What are your hopes for the, for the world or the future? I guess both. Um, well, I think in general, uh, most previous guests, they kind of said along the lines of something like world peace. And obviously like that would be great. Maybe it's a little too idealistic, but I guess to get more like uh, uh, like technical, I would say like I hope that there's like technological uh, like harmony with humans where I feel like in the future technological advancements are gonna are gonna just go to uh, like go through the roof in our lifetime. And I just hope that like 
we lean into the things that like help us, but we're also skeptical and, and um, I guess uh, worrisome about the idea of doing that. Um, and I guess if I could relate that back to what we were talking about before, we, we were talking about like nature and the sun before and the value of that and just getting outside your house, going for a walk, that type of thing. But I do feel like in the future, certain technological advancements are going to be beneficial to us, but we just have to kind of, um, I don't know, maintain who we are as humans, but also just like try to harmonize with it. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Like, no. do you think that might be something that we will struggle with? Cause I think we will, but I hope that we overcome those difficulties. Uh, I think we're already struggling with all that stuff or it's, it's like, oh, um, sure. would, would lockdown have happened in the way it happened if we didn't have social media, but I don't know. Cause I just don't know if some of the places that don't in some of the places and people that don't engage on social media, if they, or, you know, less engagement on social media, if you just, you know, you would have had maybe more pockets or it's like it literally only would have been in the cities or very dense areas that lockdown ever happened. Um, I'm, I'm losing my thought there on that, but it's, it's also the, the idea that, um, I mean, being locked down, it was really great to have social media because it was one place where you could reach out to your friends and say like, or reach out to random people on Twitter and be like, let's have a conversation about this crap because I don't have anybody else to talk to and the dog stopped responding. Um, but yeah, uh, it's I, I think there are psychological aspects of the the way we live our lives within the social media internet age that we don't we have no idea how that's really affecting us emotionally in, in a lot of ways. Maybe it helps some people, maybe it gives people more neuroses, but is that any different than other things that they would have been doing with their time that would have maybe kept them healthier or maybe given them more neuroses? I don't know. I I I, I don't know. And I don't necessarily know how to evaluate that. I do believe that regardless of the technological advances that we have, like even if people start putting all light bulbs in their house that give them vitamin D or something like that, like I'd still think you need to go out and be in nature and slow down. And that's maybe the biggest thing is like, there's so many people that are caught in the rat race of life, living paycheck to paycheck and supporting their families that they they don't have the time to breathe and I, don't, I walk around breathing deep all the time if i'm out walking my dog that's one thing that i try to like when people are like oh i don't feel good i do this i was like do you breathe i was like are you just because you know a lot of people are afraid to breathe you don't want to especially now in the time of covid you don't want to be breathing deep all, all, all around people and whatnot but like when i'm out walking my dog man i'm breathing deep all the time trying to do some of that wim hof type stuff where it's like this idea that like your breath is your spirit, man. Like if you stop breathing, you're done. You're done. So like, it makes sense to me. Like, okay, I'm going to bring in a lot of oxygen. I'm going to bring in a lot of air. It's going to make me healthier or it's going to give me more energy or it's going to just at least like calm down some of the negativity in me. I mean, it's the same thing as acknowledging that like, dang, I, I don't feel good. Oh, you know what? I haven't drinking. I haven't drank any water today. I'm going to go pound a couple glasses of water. And it's amazing how much better you can feel after something like that. So, um, just to kind of extrapolate on a bunch of random thoughts. Um, and final question for you, CJ, do you have any other, any other questions for me? 
well, I guess the first one is like, uh, I mean, I hope this went well. Uh, maybe I could be on the pod again. Possibly. Absolutely, dude. Okay, great. Um, and then it's not the- on your bucket list anymore, though. No, maybe I'll have to up it uh, or whatever, but um, or maybe I'll have to take down something else on there. But um, uh, I guess another one would just be like, how about you? Like, uh, I think you mentioned like what makes you happy on uh, another podcast, but like anything else that you have to share there that you think like you mentioned going out on a walk, soaking it in, like breathing deeply. Are, Are there any like go to's for you that just like. Um, I think the, the, the most important thing for me is to realize that like your, how you feel inside, that's, that's religion to me almost like how you process the world. That's religion to me. And like respect yourself enough to love yourself and not, that's not just, and don't judge yourself too harshly. Um, find the right things to compare yourself to in regards to this is what helps me. This is what helps me. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty much talking to myself. Uh, but like, don't just feel guilty about things that you think you need to feel guilty about. Don't feel guilty about things that society says, this is bad. You need to meet these expectations. Um, evaluate for yourself because ultimately what makes every single person happy is going to be completely different in a lot of regards. And there's a lot of times where it's like people like, like, dude, when, when I have the opportunity to be lazy, I I'll be lazy and I won't feel guilty about it. When I want to be productive and I'm passionate about something, I'm full bore, but it's all, I've also come to a realization that like, Hey dude, just because you're trying to do something to, to be successful or whatever, there's going to be a point where if you push too hard, you're going to break yourself. And like you can only bend so much. So it's also about uh, finding that balance. And I am not a person who likes balance. I'm, I'm, I'm excess. I, I do things in excess and then I stop and I recover. And I do things in excess a lot of the times. And I've, if there's something that makes me feel better, it is finding that balance. It is pacing myself. It is realizing that like, even if I'm not doing things as perfectly as I would want myself to do them. I am like, I don't know. I just, I I try not to carry around that Catholic guilt. I grew up with. I'll say that because personally I, I did, I grew up with tons of concerns about how the, every single word I said or every single little thing that I did was like affecting other people and whether or not it's just, there's a lot of that Catholic guilt that I think it took me a long time to kind of, and maybe I'm just blaming it on that, but whatever it is, I try to keep a lot of the negativity out of my head unless it's justified. You know, I want to make notes of things that I want to correct in my life, but I don't want to let it weigh me down to the point that I'm unpleasant to be around. And that's definitely, I've definitely had that at times in my life where I'm, where it's like, this guy's no fun. (laughs) So I don't know if that explained it at all. No, that, uh, I think that did. And and if I could take from that, it's kind of just like, learning as you go and just like evolving as you go and, and and just learning yourself, just being like, Oh, I spent maybe a lot of time thinking these things and acting like this. Um, and I wasn't happy or, or I didn't see the results in something that I kind of wanted. Maybe I need to evolve or, or, or change or, or do, uh, come at it 
with a different strategy. And I think that also relates to the idea that like, you shouldn't always just compare yourself to like somebody else today, but like who you were yesterday, right? Like you just, you just want to think like, am I moving forward? Hopefully I am. And like, how can I do that? And if that means like, Hey, maybe if you're like, I don't know, like a lawyer and you went through law school and you drained yourself so much and you need like a year off of work or a law extended vacation or any job it doesn't have to be a lawyer, but like, you know what I mean? Like maybe yep. that's what some people need, right? They just need like a, like a recalibration. They need to step away from something um, before they can go back into it or, or, or anything like that. Right. Like, no, and, and finding that balance is, is key. And then just knowing that like, Hey, maybe to some people I'm not on their idea of what like an upwards trajectory is, but I'm on what my idea is. And I I'm content with that. I'm fine with that. Yep, exactly. It's, there's a lot of things that I've changed my perspective on too over, over time, but it's like, I've gotten to a point where I'm pretty happy with myself. And like, there might be other people who have opinions of me who, you know, are like, Oh, he doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. And it's like, am I happy? Why don't you ask me that? Why don't you ask me if I'm happy? Because yeah. that's ultimately all that matters every single day. And that's that's the other thing about uh, finding peace or finding like spirituality for me a little bit is like, okay, if you find yourself being a piece of POS or whatever, that's not that's, that's, give yourself some leeway to to have a bad day. That's fine, but like. <sighs> some of those contrivances, like all you have is now all, you know, the present is, you know, is really all you can control. So like, if you're being a piece of crap person to other people, like to me, I'd rather spend that day alone than like take my aggressions out on somebody else or my frustrations or my, my running mind on somebody else. But in the same respect, I also like, I want friends who are willing to, (laughs) you know, spend time with me on my bad days because I know that they're going to help me have a better day. So I don't know. It's, it's again, everything's nuanced. And, um, I I do think we need to, uh, be super understanding of each other, but also one of the things I like about my friends is like when they call me out on my BS, you know, not to say that I agree with them all the time, but I like the criticisms of like, well, Hey man, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? It's like, okay, you know what you're That's right. Um, my my bad habits are actually rude. I'm like, you know, I'm being mean to other people by or or inconsiderate. There's maybe the best way to put it. But anyways, I'm gesticulating way too much now. Um, I've eaten almost two hours of your life up today, but um, it's been a lot of fun, CJ. Is there uh, any final questions that you have for me, brother? Uh, no, I guess that's it. Um, I I I think I kind of already asked you. Uh about that so yeah all right well um i'm just gonna run through some uh final chores just kind of asking people to uh rate and review the show do you mind sticking around for that two seconds yeah well uh i guess right before that it's it's been great i mean thanks for having me on uh i hope i did a good job uh i'd hope to be back if possible (laughs) and uh just thanks for giving me this opportunity man yeah dude i i mean that's the biggest compliment i think i can get is the fact that you're like hey i'll come back on and talk with you again so i appreciate that um and thanks so much for raising your hand to do this too because it's uh well that makes things like easier on me and it's also just nice to know whatever man it's just cool i appreciate it i don't know how to express it really but um uh all right 
Everybody, thank you for listening to the Free Range Basketball Podcast. I'm Kyle McEwen. You can find me on Twitter at RotoKyleNBA. You can find CJ on Twitter at CJ3, that's the number three, uh, buckets. CJ3 buckets. Um, is it CJ? Is it is it is it just CJ? Is, yeah, is that what we should know you as? Yeah, that's what yeah, we should know you as. I should have asked that at the beginning of the show. Uh, if you like what you hear, please consider rating, reviewing, and sharing the podcast wherever you listen or watch it. And if you'd like to be an official producer of the show, you can send in support through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App at Kyle McEwen sixteen. You can also subscribe on Patreon at Free Range Basketball. For anyone that rates, reviews, or contributes as a producer of the show, I'll be sure to give you a holler here, and I'll come do yard work this weekend. So thank you so much for listening to the show. And thank you again to CJ for coming on the show. Really appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me. Good job. Thanks, brother. All right. We love you. Have a good one. I'm going to end the broadcast now, but uh, have a good day, brother. And I will, uh, I'll shoot you some information uh, over Twitter once I get the link. Sure. All right, man. <laughs> Take care, bud. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Keep tugging at our heels, watch us high step and be a highlight reel of how high we get. The ghost riders off the ramp, how we live defies death. Put a conscience in the genre box, stamp a certified fresh. Bad boys beyond G depths, you couldn't fathom what we plan to do next. Turn the music on his head, power bomber suplex. Minds like duplex, that's a damn good dope duel. Don't forget the double check. Couple outcasts that'll hit you like a Smith and West. Turn up the speakers in the headsets, protect your necks. Yoga flame on this track, my rappers better stretch or get burned. Put your ashes in the urn, try to claim a weave. Earn. You gon' learn today, kid we don't play You'll get wrecked if you beat all day Peak the speech, we beat G-R-A-Y, theory, make a way You get steamrolled or paved in the streets Go, auto Give us and take us, man Move us and shake us, we know Give us and take us, man Move us and shake us, we know Give us and take us, man Move us and shake us, we know Take them haters like elevators and ride them to the top. Take them haters like elevators and ride them to the top. Take them haters like elevators and ride them to the top. I know small ones and new ones, fun ones and cold ones, bug ones and old ones, thug ones can sold some. It's really about the ones that stood the ground and held out. Shelled a couple bucks and some just to be out. Found many can't be trusted, but hate is uncontrollable. Cause sometimes the right thing ain't the right thing to do. And some rhymes with the punchline strike like Sun Tzu. Primetime Royal Rumble, Rain of Fire, one crew. Great. We keeping it jazzy, beat so hard I bet it's twitching your chassis Pass me the rello as I bring you up a level Find your soul inside the treble, base opinions on your own devils Wrestle with your ego just to make you feel special Revel in the dopeness That's it, revel in it, bitch Givers and takers, man, movers and shakers, we know Givers and takers, man, movers and shakers, we know and take us, man, move us in, shake us, we know. Take them haters like elevators and ride them to the top. Take them haters like elevators and ride them to the top. Take them haters like elevators and ride them to the top.